Namaste, Space Cadets. This is episode 50 of the Rebel Matters podcast. Fall Chase Jack. I'm Andrew Carlin as usual, and kind of a special episode today because we're halfway to 100, so I decided to put that little bit of Namaste in at the start to help us all get chilled out for what's hopefully going to be a nice episode. It is fucking roasting down here at the minute. I actually spent a couple of hours hiding up a tree today, writing some letters, and now I'm in the Rebel Matters podcast studio. I'm not completely naked, but I'm quite close, and uh, I'm living directly across the river from the live of the marquee venue, and there's a gig on right now as we speak, so... I suppose we could say that we're joined by very special guests from across the river, the academic are playing. So if you hear them piping in, that's what it is. Um, feels like a lot has happened since last week. Last week's episode was with Ready Pete, and uh, it was a cracker chat. Recorded the podcast in her, sh- in her kitchen while uh, she was simultaneously making dinner for all of us. And... Uh, Lots of people got in touch to say that that episode last week was actually their favourite episode. So thanks very much for for getting in touch and double thanks to Rady for doing the episode as well. She's an absolute boss. After that then, I actually went back down to Cork on the train after we recorded that episode up in Dublin. <coughs> got back to Cork at like one o'clock in the morning or something because the train was delayed and got up at eight the next morning and went up to Body and Soul festival and had an unbelievable time. Uh, probably still recovering from it to be honest. It's Thursday now and we just went for it. Um, some of the acts that we seen at Body and Soul were just amazing. King Kong Company blew it away Kate Tempest Moxie Junior Brother go and check out Junior Brother's new album actually Pull the Right Rope um, he's flipping class Eve Clegg was playing and Claire Sands was, was playing also with Eve Clegg Claire who's been on the podcast you can go back a few episodes and hear the chat with Claire if you want to and Claire just released a new album called The Basement Sessions you should check that out uh, I've actually got a little playlist put together on Spotify under my own name and Lou Carlan from some of the songs that were that kind of hit me in the heart at Body and Soul John Francis Flynn did a class gig Melty Brains Lisa O'Flynn who's also been on the podcast did an unbelievable set in the Food on Board section Fish Go Deep we're smashing it out at Body and Soul and which reminds me about to tell us about the Jim Jam which is coming up uh, Sally Cinnamon seen Sally doing a set two years ago and it was probably the best thing at that year's Body and Soul and I was at her set again this year she was spinning records it was class and the blaze were amazing but the main thing that I think I'd like to tell you about Body and Soul is uh, the story of the kneecap gig kneecap who have also been on this podcast and if you've got the couple of fuck all go back and listen to that episode kneecap took over the Midnight Circus tent at Body and Soul 
which has a capacity of 4,000 people at 6 o'clock on Friday. It was one of the earlier gigs of the weekend. And a few songs in, the whole tent was packed. 4,000 people were singing back the lyrics to the kneecap songs. I was right up the front and I had a, tears in my eyes when I turned around and seen the arms in the air and everyone just singing back the kneecap lyrics in Irish. This has been a mental journey when you think that where they've come from. Only in the last year and a half or so, last year at Body and Soul they played the Bulmers Lounge, which is a great little stage, but nothing compared to the size of the Midnight Circus. And what happened about 60% of the way through their set was that the generator gave up the ghost. The lights went off and the mics went off and the speakers went off and we were all there in darkness. And what started to happen was the crowd started chanting back some of the chants that can be heard at kneecap gigs. Some of the chants that got them in the hot water up Belfast at the Empire. And uh, between the crowd and the lads on stage kept the atmosphere and the vibe very, very much going while the power was off. And uh, the stage was stormed by some of the audience, myself included. And uh, it was mental. The security guards were going nuts. The crowd was going nuts. Kneecap were keeping the whole show on the road even though there was no electricity and no sound and then after 10 minutes or so the electricity came back on and they finished the set with their last two songs and the crowd were 100% on board and I was just talking to uh, my good friend Alex Sampson today when we were thinking back to the gig last year at Body and Soul and the gig last year at Electric Picnic as well, we were thinking something is happening here, that there was something special taking place with the movement that was gathering around the music that Kneecap were creating and I think that that gig on Friday of Body and Soul proves the point. And Kneecap were going to be down in Cork during the Gym Jam, so I'll fill you in on what the crack is with that as well. Um, and then I'll fill you in on what we're going to be talking about on today's episode. But if you've been listening to the podcast, then you'll know that I'm heavily involved in setting up the Palestine Community Gym over in the Ada Refugee Camp in the West Bank. The Palestine Community Gym is going to happen this year. We're fundraising for it. And it's going to be kind of one of the pinnacles of the whole Ackley project the personal training facility that I set up six years ago this year and the whole ethos of the place has always been to create a positive change for the people that are working in the facility, the people that come and use the facility, the community that we're in and also the larger community that are um, far and wide around the world and this is our this is our statement, really. This is Ackley's statement to the world that we're going to open up a community-based gym that's going to provide a valuable 
resource to the people of the Ada refugee camp. And we're doing quite well. We've got about 17,000 euros raised through different events uh, and the GoFundMe page, which is gofundme.com forward slash Westbank Gym. But the biggest fundraiser that we're going to have this year is the Gym Jam. It's going to be held on the 20th of July in Ackley, which is in Cork City Centre. Uh, you can find out more by going to uh, any of the Ackley social media pages or the Passlane community gym pages. But to give you an idea of who is going to be playing at the Gym Jam, we're going to have, it's going to kick off at two o'clock and we're going to have an outdoor aspect to it this year, which we didn't have last year. So hopefully the weather's going to be nice. And um, in the outdoor section, we are going to have the band Nuadan playing. Stevie G is going to be playing. Lisa O'Flynn, who played at the Gym Jam last year, is going to be there. Moxie are going to play outside. Uh, Elaine Malone is going to be there with a the band playing outside as well. And we're going to have a very special guest. Very special guests that won't be revealed until the day, but I know for a fact that most people listening to this podcast are going to know who they are once they find out the name of the band that's going to be coming uh, as special guests. And it's not going to be Kneecap because Kneecap are going to be playing in the evening time in the over 18 sections section inside they're going to be playing before they're going to be playing right after Paul Tuhi, right after Keir Brady and right before Fish Go Deep and Claire Sands Gomeleshko is going to also be playing outside uh, under the fresh air so check that out it's going to be 10 euro in for the daytime part if you want to hear the daytime acts, it's going to be family friendly. There's also going to be a pop-up Palestinian shop uh, inside the gym while the music is going on outside. We're going to have some food there as well. And the food is going to be really delicious. It's going to be based on the kind of stuff that we do for the Lone Moor long table lunches. And then after 8pm, it's going to be over 18s. And we're going to go for it inside, just like we did last year so if you want to come for the full day or you're coming for the evening time it's 15 quid you can find out more about the gym jam it's on facebook as an event gym jam 2019 go to the palestine community gym facebook page if you want to find out more about it as well all the links are there and it's gonna be epic epic we just released the lineup today and the amount of messages that we're getting uh is insane through all the different social media accounts and stuff like that there so come down to that uh, if you're not from Cork give us a shout and we'll try and find you somewhere to stay if you want to come down and that's it so because of body and soul really got thinking about festivals and music and stuff like that there it's funny actually it's something that always dawns on me at festivals is that they have these different stages they do for me anyway and it's as if no matter what the festival they all have these kind of specific stages like a life cycle the first stage of getting there and unpacking and the queues to get in and you're still somewhat connected to the real world your phone might still be working you might still be thinking about things that you were running around doing in the actual adult world things to do with work and things like that and then you slowly start to separate from that once you have your tent set up and you go down and get a bit of food and you're looking forward to seeing a bit of music. 
and as that goes on and the first evening goes on then you start getting fully immersed in it and then you don't care about anything else apart from what's going on in the festival and the vibes start to rise and then you just become ecstatic and I think that when you start seeing bands that you've been really looking forward to or things start to happen that are hitting you in the heart or things that are unexpectedly making you very very happy I think that the most beautiful thing about it is that you know that it's going to be over and it's not it's never going to happen again so you start making the most of it and then I start thinking oh what happens if we all just stay here forever and we'll create a new society or something and we'll ex- we can grow food there's definitely some farmers here there has to be some doctors and stuff here that can look after the sick people and we'll start get rid of money just start trading stuff and we'll just live there forever and then you keep on partying and till you're knackered and then you have to take your tent down and go home and then start recovering and start integrating back into the real world um, I always find that after festivals I need some way of getting it out of my system like writing it down and doing a journal entry or something like that or I made it I made the body and soul playlist on my Spotify as I was saying earlier that was one way of remembering the different things that we went to and putting songs in that I kind of have some sort of connection with now that something weird was happening during a song or is with a particular person standing with them or dancing with someone in particular during a song and <clears throat> that music always has that effect that ability to invoke emotion differently for different people and then when something happens something specific happens or you've shared a particular song with someone then it takes on that extra meaning and that got me thinking about some of the songs that had big influences on me whenever I was a kid and I think the major kind of singing influences aside from all the Irish songs that that we learned in school like Slotch in a Vein, August Glantan, Glasky Door, Neil Shen La, Oro Shedda Fahawala, Miguel Amar, Boadji and Elamy. All those songs had stories and lessons in them a lot of the time. And I thought that maybe it would be nice to pick a couple of songs and break them down a little bit and talk about the songs or who the song is about, what's the story behind the song. And something that people ask me very often or something that people a lot of the time I think would like to get a bit of an insight into or gain another perspective on is the the armed struggle and the war that was going on in this country up until recent enough in the six counties and being from Belfast and having like the experience of the tail end of that a personal experience of the tail end of that conflict and having grown up amongst people who had been actively involved in it and people who have been touched in it it was it's very hard to be my age plus or minus like 10 years without knowing someone who was directly affected by um, imprisonment or murder discrimination or are touched by the conflict in one way or another even if it's just uh, that it had an influence on on people's lives which it did because 
it's quite an unusual situation to be in. Um, I actually never really realised how that it was an unusual situation until I moved away from Belfast for a while whenever I was 18 and then I just had assumed that it was relatively normal the, to be living with soldiers on the street or for people to have spent time in jail or to have an inbuilt discrimination within the institutions of the state or to have to fight for things that were fight for things that should have been a given things like funding for our school or um, recognition of our own language or the ability to walk around the city centre with your school uniform on without getting chased or beat up or having a hurling stick around with you um, being able to carry your hurley and not be afraid to draw attention to yourself. Those are all things that we were contending with whenever we were kids. And I think that uh, whenever I moved to Limerick in 2003 to start a degree in sports and exercise sciences, it really was kind of an eye-opener that things weren't... Uh, in, in Belfast, that things weren't as they were in the 26 counties. And it's not that I ever resented that I... That I was born into that um, those circumstances I, I love the fact that I'm from Belfast and I value the people that um, that I grew up with and I think I got to um, learned so much from people who had been learned how, so much from people who had been on the struggle learned how to struggle as well and the importance of taking up the fight whenever things need to be fought for but the thing that surprised me the most was that in the 26 counties that um, people have a completely different perception to what, to, about what was going on in the six counties and that has largely to do with the fact that the media was extremely biased against the Republican movement and the nationalist perspective in the North and you don't even have to be a Sherlock Holmes to figure that out, but Sinn Féin were banned from talking on RTE up until something like the mid-90s or something like that. They would have an interpreter <coughs> talking uh, over over them if, if someone from the Republican movement was talking on the TV, which is mad to think about. And so people ask me about that all the time. So I started thinking about what we would do for this 50th episode and I thought that maybe it would be nice to merge the music element the the storytelling aspect of folk songs that influenced me in my childhood and that taught me stories that I might not otherwise have discovered or stories that keep the name of people alive and keep people keep keep us who are still on the on the planet remembering the the hardship or the sacrifices that other people went through and tie that in with the the common questions that people ask me about Belfast and stuff and see if we can bring them together to create something nice
So the first song that I was thinking about, talking about, deconstructing a little bit, is a song that was written by Brian Warfield from the Wolf Tones. And it's a song that has a lot of, I suppose, a lot of emotions and a lot of meaning for, especially for people from West Belfast, because it's about someone who, I suppose, made the ultimate sacrifice of their own lives um, for a cause that they believed in. It's the song Joe McDonnell and if you ever hear this song being sung <clears throat> in a bar in Belfast the last verse starts lift, listing off the hunger strikes and everyone just stops talking and starts clapping Whenever the names of the of the ten hunger strikes who died in nineteen eighty one are are called out, and this is one of these songs that I heard when I was very young, and it, it kind of got me thinking, or got me on the path of thinking about what the hell was happening all around us, and why these things were going on, the how come we were living in such unusual circumstances, and the people that had been a part of that struggle beforehand and I think that's when it comes to songs and ballads passing on stories it's probably their their main thing I'm just gonna it's probably the main reason why they're there I'm just gonna open this can here I just don't understand how warm it is in this room right now so just have a cold beer beside me keep things cooled it's a bottle of uh Eight Degrees Brewing <coughs> from it's a can of Hurricane from the Eight Degrees Brewing Company. It's an IPA, really nice. And the room is filled with incense smoke as well. And the windows are all closed because of the gig that's going across on across the way. So I'm just gonna be sipping on this little can while we're chatting. But the song Joe McDonald, it was written by Brian Warfield from the Wiftones. They actually have a video recording of them singing the song outside of the old Andy Town Leisure Centre which is only a stone's throw from the house that I grew up in and that's the place where we used to go swimming and playing handball and squash and racquetball <clears throat> a bit of badminton and five aside when we were kids and it's also right beside Caseman Park which I mentioned in I think episode 47 or so when I was talking about the social infrastructure of the areas the area that we grew up that I grew up in and I suppose that leisure centre in the background has a very distinctive kind of facade or it had a very distinctive facade actually that building just got knocked down recently enough and they're doing it up as we speak but the Wolf Tones recorded the song in front of that building but what's actually in front of the Wolf Tones which is off camera is a pub that's now called Biddy Duffy's it used to be called Happy Dobbins and in 1988, two army corporals were executed there after they drove into the funeral cortege of Kevin McBrady, who was killed by Michael Stone in Milltown Cemetery during the funeral of Mairead Farrell, uh, Sean Savage and Daniel McCann that we're going to talk a little bit more about later on in the podcast here. But if you want to go and find out more about 
that incident then there's a couple of documentaries on youtube about uh michael stone attacking the funerals in milltown cemetery and also the executions in gibraltar of the three ira volunteers and at also that point where the Wolftones are singing that song, it actually used to be the, er, the the exact spot where if something had happened in Belfast where people in the nationalist areas wanted to block off entry by the security forces by putting up roadblocks, there would often be a roadblock at that exact point. I remember a couple of them myself. The last time there was a spark of kind of a riot in Andy Town was would have been in the around the 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 year two thousand or something like that. I can't remember the exact year, but it was when the British soldier Lee Clegg who killed I think a sixteen year old girl shot her in the back of the head as they were driving away in a stolen car, uh, was released from prison after only serving a very short period of time after being convicted of murder I think um, but when he was released from prison there was a huge uproar in the area and there was buses being burnt across the road there and I actually remember that day that the the bus was on fire rolled into the pub into the face of the pub and I remember the back of the bus was up in flames and I remember seeing a guy getting into the bus the bus was on fire like not just a small fire it was fully 100% flames coming out of the windows at the back of the bus and he was trying to reverse the bus away from the pub but didn't manage to get it away I think the handbrake was still down or something like that and then the bus had rolled into the pub and it caused a lot of damage and then it was after that they, that they um, <coughs> renamed the pub um, Billy Duffy's from Happy Dobbins and you can see that video of the lad singing the song in front of the Legend Centre anyway back to the song itself the song uh, I want to play a little clip of it here I'm going to actually play the a section of the video by the Wolf Tones but there's another version that is really nice by Terry O'Neill on an album called A Definitive Collection of Irish Ballads uh, Something Inside So Strong and I listened to that album many many times uh, when I was a kid, and I still listen to it now, it's really nice, but I'll play a little section of the original recording by the Wolf Tones here. Oh, me name is Joe MacDonald From Belfast town I came That city I will never see again For in the town of Belfast I spent many happy days I loved that town in oh so many ways For it's there I spent my childhood And found for me a wife I then set out to make for Met with bitterness and hate I soon found myself inside a prison gate It's hard to pick a starting point to start talking about a song like this because 
it's it's also hard to know how much of the timeline that people are familiar with when you're listening to this here. But I think probably a good place to go back to is 1969. I've mentioned that year quite a few times in other podcasts, but uh, or maybe we could go a little bit further back. But by 1969, the the civil rights movement in the North was gathering quite a lot of pace. It was kind of running on a similar timeline to the civil rights movement in the States at the time. And and then in nineteen sixty nine tensions were very high. Like the, the civil rights movement was really uh directed at uh giving Catholics the same rights as uh Protestants because there had been anti Catholic measures kind of built into the legislation. The civil rights movement wanted equality of voting and equality of housing and education and employment and at the time the discrimination was was rampant and in 19 in august 1969 bombay street was burnt down to the ground when a loyalist mob that was made up of kind of paramilitaries and people from the security forces the state the official state security forces and b specials came in to bombay street and burnt out all the houses and at the time the ira weren't that active and there was no one really there that could protect the area efficiently from these kind of attacks and after that then the provisional area split away from the official area at the Sinn Féin Ardèche and the the provisional area was formed and they kind of ran parallel with the provisional Sinn Féin which is the Sinn Féin that we know today um, but back then they were kind of called provisional Sinn Féin because of the fact they were splitting away from the main movement. And the IRA started started to arm themselves for the protection of nationalist areas to prevent the kind of thing that happened in Bombay Street from happening again. And in 1971, internment without trial was released. This was called Operation Demetrius. Joe McDonald was actually arrested during Operation Demetrius and he was interned on the Maidstone prison ship, which was uh, a big ship off the coast of Belfast that was used as a prison um, for this time. And then he was sent to the um, cages as well, which is what... It, the, when we talk about the the main jails in, um, in the north, you, you always hear the haste blocks mentioned, but the cages were there before the haste blocks. They were in the ground adjacent to where the haste blocks were actually formed. And if you've ever seen that movie, The Great Escape with Steve McQueen, the one that has that theme tune. The cages were the same kind of buildings that they had in that movie. They're called Nissen Huts. And in that, the, the the people that were interned or imprisoned there had quite a bit of uh, kind of freedom of movement and uh, freedom of association. And it was only after that that the haste blocks were built because of the the measures that Maggie Thatcher wanted to bring in against the um, the the measures that the British government wanted to bring in against the Republican movement that criminalisation ulcerisation and normalisation and trying to make out like people who were arrested because of the political situation that was going on in the north were just regular criminals but Joe McDonald was arrested anyway as part of the internment um, Operation Demetrius released and then joined the IRA <clears throat> and subsequently he was arrested uh, 
with Bobby Sands, as it happens, um, when they were planning an attack on a furniture company in Dunmurray, which is in Belfast as well, and they were arrested with two other men, uh, Seamus Finucane and Sean Lavery, after a shootout with the British Army and the RUC, and they all got 14 years in prison, and then were sent in um, to jail. And Joe McDonnell ended up in the H-Blocks. When the H-Blocks were formed, it was a, a way more rigid um, prison system than what they the, what the prisoners would have experienced in um, in the cages and Kieran Nugent was the first prisoner sentenced into the H-blocks and refused to wear the prison uniform and that is what started the blanket protest the blanket protest started because the British government wanted the political prisoners to wear regular prison uniforms and because of the fact that they firmly believed that they were political prisoners they didn't wear the the, the criminal prison uniform the same uniform that the criminals in there would, were wearing and were thrown into the cells with their blankets and that started off the the blanket protest and that which led on to the no wash protest which came about after the prison authorities wouldn't let the prisoners slop out or empty their chamber pots unless they were wearing their uniforms, their prison uniforms. And after trying to get rid of the excrement and the urine through the gaps in the doors and the windows, they were all blocked up. So the prisoners were left with no choice but to put the basically put their feces on the wall as as a way to, to put it somewhere. And that was the No Wash protest, which eventually led on to the hunger strikes of 1981, which ended kind of unsuccessfully because of the fact that the, the British government offered the prisoners a deal and the, the strike was called off. Brendan Hughes, the dark, was, was the commanding, the officer commanding of the prisoners at the time and leading the hunger strike. And... Because they had all gone on the hunger strike at the same time, there was huge pressure not to let everyone die on the hunger strike. So they agreed a deal. The British government pulled out of that deal subsequently. And then after that, it was decided that there was going to be another hunger strike led by Bobby Sands. And this time, they were going to see it through till the end. Um, the prisoners during the 1981 hunger strike were staggered, started... Um, something like a week apart or something like that and Joe McDonald went on this went on this hunger strike and the song itself goes through um, it kind of tells the story of Joe McDonald who wouldn't have otherwise have ended up in jail hadn't, had there not been a war going on and had there not been uh, an occupying army in on the streets of Belfast that were there to kind of rule the native people and um, impose their will on people who did not want it to be didn't want their will to be imposed on them basically ended up being interned without trial and then decided to take the fight to the British army and that then went on hunger strike and 
Um, there's one verse that really sticks out. There's a verse whenever they're clapping, everyone starts clapping. May God shine on you, Bobby Sands, for the courage that you have shown. May your glory and your fame be widely known. And Francis Hughes and Ray McCreesh, who died unselfishly, and Patsy O'Hara, and the next in line is me. And those who lie behind me, may your courage be the same. And I pray to God, my life is not in vain. So that's one song that's going to keep the name of Joe McDonnell alive and people talking about the the sacrifice that the hunger strikers made um, for for a long, long time to come. And it's one that had a, did have a massive impact on me, which is why I kind of wanted to talk about it in the podcast today. The hunger strikers' demands at the time were the right not to wear the prison uniform, the right not to do prison work, the right to have free association with other prisoners and to organise their own education educational and recreational facilities and a visit a letter and a parcel each week and those were demands that were kind of based on the fact that they were political prisoners and that that's that what's what they were entitled to and shortly after the hunger strike finished up the the prisoners were granted those those demands and that kind of set up the the future of the prison struggle until such a time that it came to an, an end as in, in many ways with the, the signing of the Good Friday Agreement in 1998. The next song that I wanted to talk a little bit about is this. A woman's place is not at home. The fight for freedom, it still goes on. That was a little section from the ballad of Maria Farrell. So for anybody who's not familiar with Maria Farrell, she was one of the three IRA volunteers that was shot dead in Gibraltar in 1988. The other two volunteers that were with her at the time were Sean Savage and Daniel McCann. And it's since been... Well, I mean, it was from the outset, it was always known that they were shot well, they were unarmed <coughs> uh, in Gibraltar on kind of a reconnaissance mission that they were going to attack the British army there, and they were shot. Kind of, they were shot in cold blood by the SAS in the street, even though they had um, no weapons, and they were uh, some people like it said that they had their hands up in the air as well whenever it, it happened. Um, Mairead Farrell actually lived in a house just a very small bit up the road from our own house. She lived on the Shurestown Road and we lived on the Andy Town Road, which are right beside each other. Live very close to um very close to my granny's house, which is just off the Shurestown Road as well. Mairead Farrell was arrested in nineteen seventy six with Kieran Doherty and Sean McDermott as she was uh attempting to plant a bomb in Dunmurry and 
then when she was she got 14 years in jail and she served 10 there's a clip of Mairead talking about how she ended up in involved in the Republican movement on YouTube I want to play a little clip of it because I think it really does show how people who wouldn't have ordinarily been involved in a political struggle ended up involved in the in the armed struggle and I think it's it's an important thing to, to acknowledge because people who ended up in armed struggle were often portrayed as terrorists and savages and the conflict that was going on in the north was it was more about um it was more about the political situation and how ended up people ended up in very unusual circumstances ended up involved in the armed conflict when Maria Farrell was in jail, which was between the years of 1976 to 1986, 10 years out of the 14 that she was sentenced to, she was actually the second Republican prisoner after Kieran Nugent, who we mentioned earlier on, to um, refuse to wear the prison uniform. And Maria Farrell started the dirty protest in Armagh's women's jail and that meant that they had to smear the walls in the similar way that, that, that the men were doing it and then uh, Mairead Farrell along with Mary Doyle and Margaret Nugent began a hunger strike in Armagh prison to coincide with the one that was happening in the Long Cash at the time so have a wee listen to a few clips of Mairead Farrell talking about how she ended up in the Republican movement and the kind of attitude and the circumstances that brought her to be involved in the Republican movement? Ireland is a country. If you want it free, participate, to have your own freedom for your people to live as individuals and as on an equal status, well then you're going to have to be prepared to fight to get that and to remove the oppressor. We've got a foreign body here which we want rid of and that's the way I've portrayed I was very young when I became involved in the Republican movement. At that time, we were protesting about internment, and we were on the we were on the streets. Actually, when the Brits came into the area, the Euro was out buying bin lids, you know, all that crack. Living in Belfast was a political education in itself. My own family had Republican background. Living in Belfast, living on the streets, seeing the British Army on the streets. That in itself was, you know, I, I just got a political education from looking around me. Just seeing the general harassment of the people and then internment. You know, you became aware, right, you know, I, I have to do something here, you know. The, this just isn't right and you, you find yourself, you want to become more and more involved. There was a military campaign when I were involved in that and I became involved then. I myself was arrested in 1976 and charged with causing an explosion, three explosions and been in possession of two weapons and also charged with membership at that point. I was sentenced to 14 years in prison but I served ten and a half years of that in prison. Political status had just been withdrew so I was the only one at that stage without political status. And they said right from then on we were to be treated as criminals which meant we were to do prison work and not get the same amenities or privileges that were given to our comrades who had political status in the other wing in Armagh. 
So we went on a no-work protest, refused to do the work at that period, which was 76. They threw us into our cells and were locked up 24 hours. We said, you're going to have to let us out because being so long in a cell, two in a cell, only one tune with that, obviously the slaps was going to overflow. They says, no, you're not getting out. We says, we're entitled to our statutory one hour. Under the European Court, we're entitled to one hour's exercise. He said, okay. They eventually arranged four or five of us got out to the yard at a time to have exercise with no screws walking around behind us. Um, he said, right, leave the toilet facilities open, you know, and we'll just go out on our way to the yard. But they wouldn't, they wouldn't even allow that. So we had no other option. When they opened the doors to leave the food in, we just locked out on the wing. Wouldn't allow us out to use any toilet amenities. In the cells, all we have is a chamber pot. Couldn't use the toilet facilities, so therefore we had slops in the chamber pots and we had to slop out in the wing. And that's when the no wash protest began. We were locked 23 hours a day in the cell, which was covered in a screeda because we had no means to use the toilets. And this continued from February 1980 until March the 1st, 1981. And we felt, you know, we're going to have to just, we're going to have to come up with something else. And there wasn't anything else. Hunger strike was our last. It was our last weapon. And of course, hunger strike has to be your last weapon because it's death, you know. And that's what we felt. You know, we tried everything. Your mind's your strongest weapon. And that's how we, we always counteract whatever they do. Because they can't control our minds. And they can't get inside them. And that's their failure. <laughs> A have quite some time in prison but it's been an experience you know everything's an experience and it's an advancement you know well I could have done without it you know and yes I'm more politicized for it and I've learned an awful lot that I wouldn't have learned otherwise I'd say discipline and determination and you know you, you find a lot of qualities in there because you have those little interview clips are taken from a YouTube clip that you can go and find yourself it is um, called Maria Farrell Interviews on uh, YouTube it's by the username Joe Dwyer as well so <clears throat> go and have a listen to those there if you want to um, see the video footage that goes with them as well but I think that that clip it really does highlight how like people who end up in these kind of like really unusual or exceptional circumstances end up uh, having to do unusual and exceptional things to um, stand against the circumstances that, that, they, that they find themselves in and I think that may be a good place to finish off the podcast today it's definitely been a different episode for me to record it's actually taken me about um, f- three hours to record the whole thing here because I've had to take a couple of breaks just in between um, so thanks a million if you're still listening and um, hopefully now like you can if if you're interested in it that you have a little bit of extra information to go off and find out more about some of the topics that we've been discussing here on the podcast today the song Joe McDonald is by the Wolf Tones the video for that is on the on YouTube the version for Terry O'Neill from Terry O'Neill I would really recommend listening to that as well and the ballad of Maria Farrell is also up on the on the YouTube you can find that and I want to see that song it's also called Do Not Stand at My Grave and Weep and you can find it on YouTube 
So, Sinead for now. Um, thanks a million for listening. Episode 50 in the bag, lads. It's class. Oh, there's a really exciting thing happening in Cork in October. It just came out today. There's the Cork Podcast Festival. It's happening on the 11th of October. And I think that's going to be really exciting because podcasting is obviously a medium that I'm very taken with. But it's one that's on the up, I think, because it just gives a platform and it gives people the choice the choice of what kind of shows or podcasts they want to listen to because there is so much of a choice and the good ones get followings and the people who put the work in get followings as well and I think that, that that's what we're doing here on the Rebel Matters podcast. I'm really grateful for all the listeners that were accumulating week by week, every single week someone, a few new people send me messages uh, about the episodes so that's brilliant as well and it wouldn't be the Rebel Matters podcast without the beautiful guests that come and and talk and I hope you get a bit of enjoyment out of the ones that I'm doing by myself as well it's really good practice for me getting getting this practice on my uh, my solo run podcasts so thanks for sticking it out if you're still there and you're still listening um, going to see you next week again or speak to you next week of course if you want to support the podcast a little bit more you can go and find us on Patreon which is the platform that allows you to sign up for a monthly subscription to the podcast it's voluntary you can sign up for as little or as much as you want to and it just goes to help cover the costs of the production of the podcast going to meet guests equipment uh, recording the stuff and everything else that goes along with it the subscriptions for the online subscriptions for hosting the podcast and stuff like that all those little costs add up and any any patrons that are already out there, go to Kedmi Lamaigo for still being on board. August Shinea Hardjigil. So as usual, share the podcast on your social media if you've enjoyed it. Tell your mates about it. Tune in next week. Be nice to each other. Kenny Fiore August Aslan got foil. <laughs>